Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, here we are. You know, the year has flown by. You had a good Christmas? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what a, what a great holiday and uh, ready for New Year's now. Absolutely. Ready for the big football games tomorrow. That's right, yeah. We I got the, it. I think the Tigers, one of the Tiger teams will probably both of them will win. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's going to be I, great games. I, I would say for sure one of them will win. Yeah, but, uh, I would think so. But yeah, it'll so. be uh, it'll be some great games. I'm obviously looking forward to it, hoping Clemson can pull it out, being yeah. a Clemson alumni that I am. Yeah, but, that's uh, right. That's right. Just uh, but, uh, a lot it, of excitement in there. It'll the be fun, though. Great games. And, uh, you know, it's it, we're, we're looking at the end of a decade here. Wow. I mean, yeah. wow. Time flies. Hard to believe we're right here at the end of a decade, so we have some great things to talk about relative to that, don't we? We do, we do. We and, have great um, topics. You know, we have uh, we have some new laws that were just changed. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's um, obviously the impeach impeachment battle has been uh, front and center, but um, you know, those folks up there actually did some work and they passed a bill that uh, pretty significant for retirees and uh, retirement savings. Um, it's called the Secure. Uh, bill and Secure Act, and we're going to kind of dive into that. And there's some really big changes in here. There are there are a couple really big nuggets in there that have to do with IRAs and retirement plans. So you want to pay attention to that. That's that's very important and shocking that they passed that some, here. Some good, some bad in there. I mean, there's some changes. True, true. And then uh, you know, it's been a mar- It's been a decade of market surprises, mm-hmm. John. So we're going to review the decade in 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 the past decade and the previous decade and talk about. You know, how some of those surprises that you I'm sure you have forgotten that happened over the last decade with the markets. And what does that say about the future? I think you're also going to give your stock market prediction for 2020, right? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, looking at my crystal ball. And, yeah. You know, that we'll is just, the question of the week. So it's going to be know, a good one. We're going to yeah. have that answer coming up. We're looking forward <laughs> to that, no doubt. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporate corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. You can listen to the podcast directly from the website. Uh, We also have a lot of tools, calculators, forms, and so forth on the resource tab of that. And uh, we have a Facebook page, MoneyMD. So we put a, a prescription of the week out there every week. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from you. You can you can link to us directly off our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is in the, the New Year theme a little bit. Um, you know, we got New Year's coming up next week, and I found this interesting, and it didn't uh, give the ages um, of the kids associated with this, but 48%, almost half the parents, will count down the last 10 seconds of 2019 by 9 p.m. <laughs> I, I don't understand how that works, John. Explain so, that to me. What well, do you mean they're so, going to count it down? So you have a five and a seven-year-old, and you're like, all right, we're going to count down the new year. You're going to bed at nine. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're so, not like counting it down from like, you know, uh, Asia or someplace. No, 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 no. The, the parents want to get the kids in bed, and so they, just uh, make, they count down early and they you know, just make a big deal. They and just make it up. You're going to bed. <laughs> I never, I had no idea. And you're that, telling me almost half the half, people, half the parents that's did That's the stat I found associated with it. So I thought it was kind of funny. That is you know? very funny. I guess very we probably did that when the kids were young and stayed up and, and hung out or whatever. I don't know. But uh, yeah. 
Half the parents, yeah. Half the parents. Interesting fact. Uh, not very useful fact, but very interesting <laughs> fact nonetheless, John. That was a good one to just, come up just, with. Just plan your uh, New Year's accordingly. That's right. You don't have to step to midnight, really. You can just count down any time. Hey, last <laughs> couple of years, not last couple of years, a couple of years ago, I DVR'd the, the countdown, woke up the next morning, Watched it in a minute, and man, I was rest- I was well rested. There you go. You don't have to, you know, <laughs> stay for Ryan Seacrest to see what yeah, happens. That's right. And I just recorded. It's pretty just consistent DVR'd every it. year. Welcome to the 21st century. There you go. Yeah, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is um, the new laws, the, the the Secure Act. We've talked about a couple times this past year was finally passed. Yeah, and so this comes from uh, uh, Charles Schwab and the Secure Act. It stands for setting every community up for retirement enhancement. And Steve, I mean, believe it or not, Congress, um, they passed some significant changes that's going to impact folks that are nearing retirement, uh, parents, small business owners, um, and it can have a major impact on estate planning. And some of the changes include changing the RMD um, age associated with it, uh, making it a little bit easier for small business owners to create some savings opportunities. And then the estate planning has really been turned upside down, and we're going to go into the details on this. But uh, this is big news, and it kind of has been under the radar a little bit with all the other stuff going on. But uh, this is um, this changes quite a few things in the retirement world. Yeah, this is a pretty big change. Um, but, yeah, the Retirement Savings Bill, known as the SECURE Act, it was part of the massive government spending plan that was just approved by Congress in this flurry of last-minute Deal making that went through, and uh, it's a 1773 page bill. It was one of two um, bills to fund the government operations that averted the shutdown here just last week. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it puts a temporary agreement in place that will um, fund the government out, uh, I think, for an entire another year. Yeah, right. It avo- I think it avoided a shutdown. So that was kind of due to be done, and I think people expected it to happen. And, you know, the bill was approved by the House of Representatives on the 17th of December, and then the Senate uh, followed up on the 19th and approved it, and uh, President Trump signed it into law on the 20th. So uh, it was uh, approved overwhelmingly in May by the House, but it was stuck in limbo uh, for months in the Senate until supporters pushed the bill to be included um, in the the year-end package. So we're going to go through some of the key provisions here. And the first one really is, um, it's a a big change. I mean, it's going to have, it's a good change. It is, you know, I mean, the key provision that changes here um, right off the bat is the retirement uh, required minimum distribution age. Um, you know, since the early 70s, John, when ERISA was passed back in 1974, I believe it was, the required minimum distribution age has been 70 and a half. Yeah, why'd they have right? the half? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I never liked that. That is one good part of this bill. It makes it an even number. Yes. <laughs> right? So the law raises the required minimum distribution age to 72 from 70 and a half, and that's the age at which individuals must required, must begin taking minimum distributions from their retirement accounts. And um, the new law not only applies to <clears throat> to those who turn 70 and a half, well, excuse me, it only applies to those who turn 70 and a half before the end of this year, okay, um, or after the end of this year. If you yes, turn right. 70 and a half before the end of this year, you're still in the old, old numbers. You still got to take your RMD um, this year and next year um, and beyond, but uh, yeah, push. Any, go ahead. For anybody that hasn't, you got till age seventy two now. Yeah, and if you turn seventy and a half in in twenty twenty, you don't have to take it until twenty twenty two. 
That's right. I mean, it, right. it really pushes it out, gives you another, uh, you know, two years really before you have to take it. So that's a, it's a big deal. It's certainly going to make the, um, the, the understanding of it easier, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> 72 uh, is going to be pretty straightforward. So another change here is um, contributions to traditional IRAs are now allowed um, after 70 and a half. Um, I don't know why they still kept that 70 and a half number, but before, you know, you could not contribute to an IRA, but now as long as you have earned income, that is going to be allowed to put money uh, into retirement. So that's good. We have people that work into their 70s and have earned income. So uh, that's a that's a change. So even if you're like if you're working and you're taking RMDs, like let's say you're 72 and you're taking RMDs, you yeah. still can put it in and take it right back out. Yeah, that's the way it sounds. Yeah, that, that's pretty weird. <clears throat> it okay. is weird. Yeah, and they, they kept the 70 and a half on that as well. So I don't know. Maybe they. They didn't. Uh, they didn't look into that one anymore. But another one here, Steve, that is a really big deal is the stretch IRA. Um, that's uh, has has basically changed. So under the old rules, you could put um, contingent beneficiaries, and when those contingent beneficiaries inherited uh, the IRA, um, or you know, if you just had a primary beneficiary, they right. could take those distributions over their lifetime. Yeah, this is a big deal because um, this is going to affect a lot of people that are inheriting IRAs. It is. have already inherited IRAs. Yeah, so if you're, you know, 50 years old and you inherit your parents' uh, IRA, you could you would be required to put it in an inherited IRA and take a small portion every year, maybe, you know, ten to $15,000. Now it has to be um, fully liquidated within 10 years. And yeah. so that could, you know, if you have a million dollar account, then, you know, that could be a hundred thousand dollars a year. year and it's okay. going to throw you in a higher tax bracket and they're going to collect more revenue sooner. Um, so probably good from the IRS's standpoint, and the government, but not from the individual. Yeah. And I haven't seen here whether they make you stretch that out or if you just wait all to the very end of the 10 year period. I haven't seen that either. That's a good question. <clears throat> but uh, so the details are a little murky right now, but uh, nonetheless, that's ten, a big one. 10 years is all you have. So. That's a that's a big change, no doubt, um, for those that inherit, you know, significant IRAs. And then another change here, John, is penalty-free withdrawals for adoption expenses and, and for births. Um, so new parents can withdraw up to $5,000 from an IRA or an employer-sponsored plan to pay for a birth or adoption um, <clears throat> through the first year of the birth or adoption. Um, so taxes still need to be paid on the pre-tax <clears throat> distributions but there's no penalty mm-hmm. on the distribution. So it's another exception to the penalty rule right. that they're putting in for birth or adoption. Yeah. Another item they added was uh, part-time workers yeah. can now participate in a 401k plan. They have to have 500 hours uh, a year for three consecutive years in order, order to be eligible. Um, another item is lifetime income disclosure. Um, the bill requires the, the Department of Labor uh, to propose rules for new disclosure plan for participants to kind of give them a progress report. It looks at the assets that they have um, from a retirement standpoint, and it gives them an idea of what the income is going to be. And, and it's going to take a little while to implement that. I, I've seen that on some 401ks. I mean, they do some projections. Yep. They do red light, green light, yellow light type uh, proposals. So, But that's going to be a requirement now. And another one which is interesting is annuities are going to be offered in 401k plans uh, I've heard some, uh, I was just reading some things over over uh, the last couple of days, and some annuity, you know, are very expensive, so there's some hesitation in this, but um, the, the, the law uh, lowers the barriers for employer, employer-sponsored plans 
to actually offer annuities. That's a that's a change, and we'll see how if that's yeah, taken um, on or not. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be a good change, <laughs> quite frankly, because yeah. you know employer sponsored plans already have tax deferral, and that's one of the main benefits of annuities. Mm. So uh, it seems a little redundant to me. Um, but another change, though, is. Uh, 529 plans, assets in 529 plans, college savings plans, can now be used to repay up to $10,000 in student loans. Mm. Um, of course, I don't know why you would take out a student loan if you had money in the 529 plans. So. Oh, come on. You're too logical. <laughs> so, again, I don't know if this one really applies. <laughs> but uh, but it's a good idea if you, if you do find yourself in that strange situation. You needed some you needed some advice before you took out that loan. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, yep. another provision though is to help small businesses. Um, several provisions in the bill <clears throat> are designed to make it easier for small businesses to offer retirement plans to their employees, including a provision <clears throat> that will allow unrelated small businesses to kind of band together <clears throat> in a so-called multiple employer plan to offer plan to employees so they can band together and kind of split the cost, I guess, to do a 401k type plan. Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> that, that could be beneficial. I'm not sure how they're going to get the people to come together. But, I mean, the stretch IRA uh, provision is a big deal. The RMDs are a big deal. So uh, what should you do? I mean, so, you know, if you if you turn 70 and a half uh, in 2019, you got to make sure you have that RMD. You know, you basically have two days next week to get that done. So you want to make sure that you have that processed. Um, but, uh, you know, if you have, um, uh, state planning tools, a lot of people use that, that stretch, um, you know, IRA to, to, yep. for estate planning purposes, you got to relook that. I mean, if you're going to have a large IRA out there, you can do QCDs, qualified charitable distributions, maybe do some Roth conversions. There's some different ways of getting that IRA, uh, balance, uh, down. So, um, some pretty big things. Um, you know, this just came out within the last uh, couple of days, so I'm sure there'll be more information to, to come on this. Yeah, but very interesting. That's a, a nice development on the <clears throat> age, you know, raising the RMD age. Um, so there you go. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, uh, this is your chance to give us a prediction on the stock market. Okay. 2020. All right. You ready? Go ahead. Do it. Uh, 75% chance it's going to be up. Okay. 25% is going to be down. Uh, that's the historical numbers anyway. Yeah, I was going to say. Who so knows? You're just, so that's the historical <laughs> that's the percentages. Historical it's yeah. 50. I mean. That's a good guess, John. Wow, you're pretty smart. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, you know, you read, uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, publications come out, Kiplinger's Money Magazine, and they'll will. say the top stocks for 2020 are what to do, what not to do. I mean, no one knows, right? Historically, going back into the 20s, the market has been up about you know 75% of the time. So I don't know why you would ever go against those averages. That's right. I mean, everybody has a gut feel for what next year might hold, but the truth is it's it's very unpredictable, you know, and so you really can't you can't go with that gut feel. You got to know that the market is usually up. It's up, you know, 75% of the time. And that that's true for next year as well. So yeah, and, and obviously past performance doesn't guarantee future results. And we're just looking back at, at historical data. But don't don't look at these publications. You're going to find one that says 2020 is going to be positive. You're going to find another one that says it's going to be negative. I mean, that's just the way the headlines work. That's right. That's right. Speaking of surprises, you know, we're going to look back over the last decade, and we have an entire decade of surprises, John, because. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of prognosticators that, you know, 10 years ago thought they knew what was going to happen. 
And if they can't, if they can't predict 10 years, how would they ever predict one year? You know, I mean, just the general trend of 10 years, they got it totally wrong. A lot of cases here, but yeah, this is based on an article out of fortune, uh, Ben Carlson. And, uh, but John, you know, I mean, we always tell our clients and anyone that'll listen to us that you need to think and plan long-term and I can't think of a better time to reflect back on long term than at the end of a decade. And so here we are. And uh, it's interesting because we now have two polar opposite decades back to back in the stock market. I mean, you probably can't find two decades that are more different in terms of investments than the past two decades. Yeah, now. I would agree. Yeah. So so now that we have two decades into into the 21st century, uh, before we jump into this past decade, let's take a look back at the first decade of the 21st century from 2000 to 2009. Um, and to call that first decade of the century um, unkind to markets, you know, and the economy would be a massive understatement because it really was a horrible decade for financial markets by any historic measure. Um, we lived through two recessions during that first decade, those first 10 years including the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression Mm -hmm. in 2008. And we had two enormous stock market crashes, which saw stocks drop by around half or 50% both times. Yeah, and those those, uh, brutal crashes, uh, they bookended the decade, and that really led to what is called the lost decade for the S&P 500, which saw the largest stocks in the U.S. as a whole um, fall nearly 10% in total from 2000 to 2009, and that decade reminded us of the necessity to diversify beyond one asset class or even, you know, a dozen individual large stocks. And, and although the uh, stock market has, you know, rallied mightily since the, the March 2009 lows, you know, many were predicting more of the same uh, pain in terms of crashes, volatility and, um, you know, economic calamities in the decade ahead. Uh, back in 2009 so um and they got it wrong <laughs> <laughs> they did no doubt yeah because um <clears throat> you know the ensuing past decade um did the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what happened that first decade and now people are forgetting the lessons of the first decade of the 21st century in fact i mean the 2010s was the first decade since 1850 which is about as far back as we have good data that the U.S. didn't experience an, a single recession hmm. in the past 10 years. Um, stock market had, you know, some minor bouts of volatility and even an intraday <clears throat> drop last year of 20 percent. Um, so we technically had a bear market last year, but it was very short lived. And uh, every correction turned out to be a buying opportunity, you know, as we've now have seen over 200 all time uh, market highs on the S&P 500 this decade <clears throat> alone. Um, so, you know, as 2010s wind down here uh, this week and <clears throat> and we get ready to usher in the 2020s, you know, here's a look back at what happened in the markets over the past decade that got us up to this point. Um, so just a quick look back here. <clears throat> First of all, is large U.S. stocks which followed one of the worst decades on record um, in the 2000s with one of its best decades um, in the 2010s on both an absolute and a relative basis. The S&P 500 crushed all the main asset classes by more than tripling the returns of international stocks in the uh, <clears throat> a complete reversal from the previous decade. And while all the stock asset classes 
uh, we're up more than 38% this past decade. Um, most paled compared to the roaring U.S. large stock indexes like the S&P 500, which gained a remarkable 246% wow. <clears throat> over the last decade. Yeah, it really is. You know, when you look at the asset classes, I mean, the S&P 500, large growth stocks really dominated the last decade. Yeah, when you look at it over the two decades, you know, 20 years, it's it's much more even, right? I mean, which is That's right. exactly why you want to diversify is we don't know what's going to be uh, the next performance, you know, for the next decade. So, and it's interesting, Steve, the S&P was up nine out of the 10 years uh, with the only down year back in 2018, and that loss was a little bit over 4%. Seven out of those nine years showed double-digit gains, <clears throat> while stocks were up 20% or more in three different years. And the only other time U.S. large stocks were up nine out of ten times in a decade was back in the 1980s and 1990s. And, um, you know, those returns back then were 17 and 18% respectively annually. And, uh, you know, the U.S. large returns um, had about 13% for the 2010s. So uh, certainly a really good decade. But, again, it's coming off of a, a lost decade exactly. as well. So, I mean, exactly. you have to balance these things out. You do. You have to realize that, they, you know, there's big swings and, and they're very unpredictable, as we've seen. But, yeah, asset classes were turned completely on their head this past decade compared to history. Um, the 2010s decade – and what research has proven to be a fundamental truth of modern portfolio theory, it really had, were, were not the case over the past decade. Um, so it really did turn it on its head. I mean, value stocks historically have outperformed growth stocks by 2 to 3% per year. But that was far from true this past decade as growth stocks returned about 3% more per year for, than value stocks did over the past 10 years. By the same token, small stocks historically outperformed large stocks by around 1% to 2% per year. But again, this was totally reversed as large stocks returned more than 1% better per year than small stocks did for the entire decade. Um, so this decade, you know, long trends, they, they seem to have reversed themselves over the past quarter. We've seen some of the kind of the riding of the ship there with these these uh, trends of the past quarter. But it'll be interesting to see if this mm -hmm. is the start of a reversion back to kind of the norm of the decades gone by or whether it'll continue. Um, but that's what we saw. And, you know, while U.S. stocks were almost impossible to beat over the past decade, I mean, there was a subset of stocks within that universe that did even better, and that is technology. Yep. Um, yeah, technology stocks had a phenomenal decade in terms of both growth and stock performance. Through the end of, of November this year, um, the NASDAQ 100 was up nearly 400% over the course of the decade. That's more than 150% better than the S&P 500 over the last decade. And that's a performance that we haven't seen since the 1990s. Um, however, you should recall that the performance in the 1990s ended in a massive technology crash of more than 70% drop um, in in starting in 2000. Yeah, and that kind of goes, I mean, it, it's piggybacking off of, a, um, you know, the NASDAQ back in 2001, 2002 was 5,000. It went down to, you know, two or 3,000, and then it, right. it took another 10 to 12 years to recover. That's right. Right? So, I mean, so when you look at it over a long period of time, it becomes more normal. Yeah, so when you start hearing these numbers, if you're if you're getting portfolio envy, just go back and think of what happened, you know, in, in 2000 to 2002 and the dot-com crash. 
um, because, you know, it, it, technology went back to normal very quickly there. Um, so, but much of that growth of the past decade came from a small handful or what, you know, some now uh, of the largest companies in the world. You know, if you combine the market cap of Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, um, they were $716 billion heading into this decade. Now that number stands at $4.1 trillion. Yeah, quite a big jump. My goodness, from those four six, companies. Six X. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those numbers don't include the the massive growth in, in Facebook. I mean, that went public back in um, 2012, and it's obviously done exceptionally well. Um, Instagram was bought for a billion, and it's uh, will do close to $14 billion in revenue in 2019. So, you know, these five companies now make up just sh- uh, shy of 17% of the entire S&P 500 index which is uh, dominating, you know, that entire index. You got, you got to be careful. I mean, technology has done fantastic, but like you said, portfolio envy, it can be dangerous. And we see people kind of gravitating towards technology and large, large growth stocks because they have done so well. But history says that's not really the right way to do this. That's exactly right. Another big flip-flop we've seen over the past two decades is in commodities. Um, in the first decade of the 2000s, commodities – were uh, did wonderful, um, you know, especially in the early part of the decade because of the massive infrastructure spending by China. But the current decade did not follow the same path and is capping off a disaster for everything from precious metals to oil. Um, people who speculated in copper, silver, oil, <clears throat> other commodities, are they picking up the remaining pennies that are left over from their speculative yeah. debacle over the past decade? Yeah, the Bloomberg Commodity Index, a basket of different commodities, was down nearly 45% over this past decade. The price of of crude oil, uh, WTI crude oil, fell uh, more than 27%, while gold's the only loan gainer with a modest 30% rise over the last 10 years. Most of that price increase came in 2010 and 11. Gold prices are actually still 25% below their peak from August of 2011. <clears throat> commodities are another great example of how this past decade's winners often turn out to be the next losers, um, severely punishing those who get sucked into speculating on the next sector move. So for commodities, the 2000s were a boom, but the 2010s were definitely a bust. Yeah, interest rates were another one that uh, you know economists and investors um, got wrong. I mean, you know, they hit rock bottom in the Great Recession, and people were predicting you know, interest rates to uh, increase uh, like every year. And so we saw economists and market prognosticators uh, kept predicting, uh, you know, interest rates to rise. And they certainly did in, in 2018 and, and uh, in 2019, they've come back down. So again, you know, trying to, to forecast these, uh, you know, people got it wrong most of the time. Yeah, it just shows you how unpredictable it is. The 10-year yield began the decade just shy of 4% <clears throat> for the 10-year treasury. And it touched an all-time low of 1.37% in July 2016, but rates remained, uh, you know, in a tight range of 1.5% and 3.5% for the majority of the decade. Rates have been falling, um, you know, ever since the early 1980s and seemingly don't have much further to fall, but, you know, it's, it's no surprise that we see a consistent stream of higher, you know, calls for higher interest rates, um, people predicting higher interest rates. But rates haven't cooperated. You know, they're still below 2%. And, you know, like with commodities, investors who place big bets on the seemingly slam-dunk interest rate rise 
were sorely disappointed as their gamble didn't pay off. Even the famous bond speculator Bill Gross was forced into retirement after he rolled snake eyes again this year in the interest rate gambling casino of the past decade. Mm. <clears throat> so, yeah, after getting, you know, taking the task for misleading or missing the lead up to the financial crisis, um, you have to be handed the Federal Reserve. You have to hand it to the Federal Reserve for their role in getting the economy on a on a firmer footing this past decade. I mean, quantitative easing rates down near zero percent um, <clears throat> really did pay off, and it didn't it didn't turn out to be the, the kind of the debacle that a lot of people suggested it would be. And uh, you know, we've had low inflation, and we've had uh, positive growth now for for ten years. So um, you know the Fed really did get that part right. Yeah, they've done well. You have to say that. So, um, but nobody knows what the next decade has in store for investors. But one thing is for sure: the next ten years will look nothing like the past ten years. And those who make big speculative moves will likely be punished as severely as we saw this past decade. So let's learn from the past and let's admit that we don't know what the future holds going forward. Uh, any more than we did 10 years ago. So, therefore, our prescription for the future is to avoid chasing the winners this past decade and to stay well-diversified in a well-balanced portfolio um, with many asset classes and focus on your long-term goals. So, that leads us up to our final thing here, which is the prescription of the week. It, it, you kind of summed it up. I mean, you know, instead of trying to predict what the stock market is going to do in 2020, we've got a presidential election a lot of uh, articles written out there and will continue to be written. The markets probably will be, you know, up and down and sideways for for the whole year. But, I mean, at the end of the day, markets move when earnings of companies move. And so That's right. I think <clears throat> one of the important lessons that, that I learned going through this, and it was really a, a, an interesting lesson in capitalism, is the tariffs with China, how the supply yeah. chains of companies – changed because they didn't want to have all their eggs in that one basket. And so yep. whoever becomes president, whatever policies are out there, you know, companies will make changes to adapt. They to will. To try to grow earnings. That's what it boils down to. And it doesn't always happen in a month or two months or six months, but that's how capitalism works. That is the great thing about capitalism. They can adjust very quickly and they do adjust. The economic incentive is there for them. And that's one of the things that makes it very unpredictable because you don't know how people are going to react, and they can they can do it very quickly. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, so stay focused, be well diversified, have a plan, and enjoy your New Year's. That's our prescription of the week. So this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. And uh, email us your questions. You can link to us right off our website, moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great New Year's. Yeah, Happy New Year. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 